Hello and welcome to the Practical Magic Podcast, a weekly dive into ways in which we can live a calmer, more creative and empowered life on our own terms. I'm Kate Taylor, Creativity and Empowerment Coach, and I'm on a mission to help us live an embodied life full of creative expression through my blended melting pot of goodness I call Practical Magic. So today on the Practical Magic Podcast, I'm welcoming a very special guest to the show. That is Matt Denny. He's an artist, a printmaker, photographer and creative director. He's also the illustrator on the Practical Magic Activation Deck, which launches via Kickstarter today. And on the show, I'm going to be talking with Matt a lot about creativity and how it's the conflict between order and chaos how that defines Matt's creativity and why surprises and accidents are actually really good for creativity, creating a beautiful mess out of the chaos and also some order too. And we're also going to be talking a bit about the Practical Magic deck, how it's come to take shape and taking from an idea and into something that's really tangible and also the exploration between the mind and unconscious creativity. So on the show today, I'm joined by Matt Denny, who is an artist, photographer and creative genius in my eyes. (laughs) He's also my creative partner in uh, the Practical Magic Activation Deck, which launches on Kickstarter today. So thank you for joining me. Um, We're going to be talking about how to embrace all kinds of creativity today and how to be um, a generalist. But before we get into that, Matt, welcome. Thank you for coming along. I wonder if you could just give us a brief background in terms of your creative path and how you got to be doing what you do. (laughs) How far back do you want to go? How far back does relevant for us to go? Um, you were born? I was born, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I was born holding a pencil. <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah, I've always, always been kind of creating right from the start, right from, like, crawling on my uh, my nan's carpet with a roll of, we had a roll of wallpaper and um, some crayons and pencils and stuff and I would just draw endless cartoon strips on this roll of wallpaper on the floor and um, yeah I was just fascinated by that but I was also really fascinated by how things worked as well so I think that goes forward a lot with like how I work now so um, uh, this idea of process I'm really fascinated by how things work and I remember um, kind of um, my first foray into printmaking was just painting uh, what was it we painted some cotton reels and stamped them onto pieces of paper. I used to love doing that. Yeah and we sent them in to take heart but they never (laughs) they never appeared in the gallery. Um, Shame. But yeah so that was and I was really fascinated by the idea that um, you could make artwork not just with like pens and paper and stuff that you could actually like collage things and you could kind of use paint and so on so yeah that really fascinated me and actually that that fascination with process and in how things work and how things are made has stayed with me forever um, you know I was always one of these people that would look at something and think how is that made or even 
you know, how, how can I make that myself? And I would figure out how to make it or I would get stuff and I would have a screwdriver and I would unscrew them and kind of look at how, you know, like all the workings mm. of something. Um, so, um, so yeah, like, um, like anyone that's creative, you end up doing art at school. And um, I had a brilliant art teacher, actually, they were the best teachers in the school and they were old hippies. And, um, and yeah, they were, they were fantastic. And actually, um, uh, Diane and Lola, because of course art teachers, you call them by their first names. Yes. Um, they... And you drink coffee with them as well before it's called well, coffee. Not only that, um, we used to pinch each other's cigarettes. So Always rollies. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, not, not a good example, but yeah, standing with your teacher at the back of the art block smoking really bad. Um, but what was great is they both of them encouraged um, like my love of print and photography as well. I, um, I actually found that there was a room at the back of the, the art class uh, which was being used to store uh, spare chairs and desks in. And I went in there one day and it's like, oh my God, this is a dark room. And so um, I went to the headmaster, begged for five pounds to um, buy some chemicals and some film and I started a dark room up. So it laid undiscovered. Wow. It was like Narnia going through the door into this, this room. Yeah, and it was great because um, I could just spend all day in there. So I that was my escape from school and I kind of neglected my other studies and I would spend most of my time in the dark room at school and just playing music in there and of course my art teachers gave me cassette tapes that they'd made of really great bands they introduced me to things like Talking Heads and Brian Eno um, and all of, like really really great music so yeah I spent all of my time listening to music in the dark room it was amazing um, and then um, formally I then went to art school and the idea actually was that I would be a photographer and um, but when I got to art school I kind of I just didn't really gel with the photography course that was going on there um, and I discovered printmaking um, they, they had an amazing printmaking studio there and obviously I dabbled a little bit at, at school but this was like a proper workshop and it was amazing and the tutor was great loved it um, and it goes back to that idea of process because um, I always felt like when I was younger and I used to look at like comics and kind of posters and things like that and you look at them and the colours are so vivid and everything is so contrasty and the lines are so it just looks like real proper artwork and then you'd go away and you'd kind of try and draw a cartoon strip in pencil and it just looked it just didn't look as good it didn't look as vivid it didn't it didn't look like it was kind of real if you know what I mean and suddenly I could take my work, turn it into a print, and it looked like something that would come out of, you know, like a, off a proper press and that you would pay money for in a shop and the, the colours were 
vivid and it just amazing so suddenly it was like ah there's this idea that drawing isn't the the end of the process that it's yeah. the start of the ah, process I love that. um and so i i took that forward and then i i did my degree in fine art and fine art printmaking um and i spent yeah the first year was just all about drawing and all about mark making and then in 93 um which very long time ago now but in 1993 suddenly this weird beige box appeared in the studio and it was the first mac i'd ever seen prior to then computers were these things that you wrote your dissertation on and they kind of this big and they were we, black we and white. We certainly couldn't carry them around anymore, No, no. <laughs> um, and suddenly there was this, this machine that had something on it called Photoshop. And what was incredible is all of the stuff I was doing by hand and in the darkroom uh, and in the print studio that would take a very long time to do and would be quite involved. Suddenly I could do that very quickly in Photoshop and this was just a, an utter revelation so I still kept with that hybrid process of kind of analog taking it into the computer manipulating it doing things with it um, and I really love that 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 kind of process of you still have the the kind of random edge and that that warmth and that unpredictability of the analog but you have the control of the digital so and I'm also I'm one of these people that's really precise and I get really finicky and kind of I write things down I write down the formula of stuff and I work things out to the nth degree and I'm super but then I like that there's this um, there's this conflict in my personality of this is the messy side of me and this yeah. is the neat side of me yeah. and my artwork is really that conflict resolving itself between the two so i will have something that's very precisely kind of ordered but it's ordered chaos and it's like there's this tension of everything which is about to kind of you know about to kind of tumble out of those constraints it's about having those parameters in place but then allowing yourself to be surprised because i think i don't like to know that i'm in control of everything I like the fact that, you know, I, I can be surprised by something. That's why, like, in my other kind of, in my other alternate life as a photographer, I, I work in film because, to me, shooting on digital allows you to be so controlled and so precise and you see everything right away, whereas with film, which um, you're shooting it, there's so many things that can go wrong mm -hmm. and you don't see what you've shot until maybe a week or two later or a day or two later when you process it. And I've, I've had the most amazing things happen where um, there's been some kind of weird thing that's happened with the chemicals and the colour looks strange or maybe there's like a bit of dirt has got into the process and the image has become completely you know, crystallised, and you you think, oh, this is actually, on yeah, the one hand, you're yeah. horrified, because you think, oh, my, all of this stuff where I tried to get this nicely kind of planned out so there would be no accidents, and yet this accident is beautiful. And I think 
that is really the essence of what creativity is. You can't plan for it. You have to just let those accidents happen because the accidents is really where, where the kind of magic goes and you let the process lead you on yes on a kind of journey through it rather than saying this is where this we're going it it's be. all on the sat nav i know what it's going to look like yeah um yeah, and and I think that's really important. really interesting that you say that actually because as you're talking i was just thinking wow how much of that is a creative's <clears> life <throat> in terms of being able to be so expansive and yet trying to live in a world where you know, you have to pay your bills or you have to have a career or, you know, trying to conform in some way when creativity just doesn't want to do that. Yeah. It is a law unto itself. And I know that you've been through very different stages in your career and you're in a place now where mm. you're taking space to redefine what that was. Matt and I used to work together in um creative agency world. I was a suit and you were a creative. It shouldn't work, but it did. Um, and it's quite difficult, isn't it, to be constrained in that kind of environment with creativity when you're working towards something where almost creativity becomes a thing that you are getting paid for, mm. but it's almost you're having to be creative for something else other than your creativity. Yeah. So it's a quite an interesting journey, isn't it? So talk to us about how, how you've kind of come around to, and talking around being a generalist and how that's paid out yeah. for you. So, I mean, the... The whole agency world thing came. I never planned to. Uh, I never planned to work in advertising. It wasn't something that um, that I really kind of planned to do. I, I, it's not something that I studied to do, but it was something that I gradually ended up getting caught in the gravitational pull of. And actually, there there were some things, you know, that we worked on. That were amazing and really loved working on and then there are things that you you love less um, but I think when it comes down to it that you're being employed and you're being kind of bought into that process because there is something of yourself that you're bringing into it you know I know we we talk about how we're all going to be automated <laughs> in the not too distant future but I think there is still, you know, there there is still a value in our in our creativity, and all of us bring our own. We all bring our own kind of heap of materials with us. We're all kind of made up of our own um, kind of uh, our own histories and our own mm. um, our own experiences and our own references. So, what was always really great sometimes when you you work together on a project is you would get talking to other people and you would say ah oh, but what about this have you seen that film and they'd go oh that's great oh yeah I really love that have you seen this and maybe we could bring in a reference yeah. to that so it it becomes like this big great big casserole of everyone's kind of thoughts and ideas and so on so I think you know you everyone has a value to bring to that process and I think you know it it can be really easy to say, oh, it, it's commercial and it's, it's you know, it's selling your soul. I think, I think to an extent, every artist has to kind of sell themselves a bit. And there's no, I think there's no shame in that. Obviously, the advertising agency world, it's a bit more, you know, it's a bit more obvious and on the surface. But all of us, uh, 
you know, no one wants to be a starving artist mm. in an attic um, because you can't be creative when you're hungry and you're freezing cold. Um, you need to find ways to make money out of what you do. And initially that kind of, um, kind of going into that world, it was a way of using my digital skills that I'd learned at art school. And I realised, you know, I'm, you know, unless you're very lucky to be a Hearst or an Emin, um, you, you know, it's, it's really difficult to make money out of art solely. And I think most artists that I know have a side hustle or their yeah. art is a side hustle for that. And I think it's fine. It, it all serves itself. I think um, there is a little bit of a, an unrealistic view or a, a romanticised view of what it's like being an artist and being a creative person. We've all seen kind of the, you know, ads or or kind of things where you've got an artist and it will, you'll have someone in it that is representative of an artist and you'll have someone standing there, you know, she's standing there with a brush wearing some dungarees and everything's quite artfully arranged in a beautiful huge studio that no one can afford yeah. in London. <laughs> And you'll have it, and she's just kind of like throwing a bit of paint like that on a canvas, going, oh, yes, like that. And that's not what it's like being an artist or, you know, the kind of putting the final touch on some something like that. It, You know, being an artist is actually a whole lot of pain and a whole lot of self-doubt and yeah. a whole lot of... Yeah, I don't know <laughs> where I'm going with this. No, but it, but yeah, that's I think tricky, that's the reality it? of it. Yeah, yeah, because I think that's that's the thing about um, I think what's good advice for people who might be listening to this or watching this is about you know how do I create money or how do I generate money out of mm. my creativity? Um, you know, obviously I work with a lot of people who are setting up their own creative businesses, and there's a lot of pressure there, isn't there? If you're yeah. especially if you're moving away from say you've been working in a corporate gig and you're looking to move away from that and you might be wanting to set up whatever it is that you're looking to do, you know, um, making money out of your creativity. Mm. And the pressure becomes very much about then how do you make the money out of it? And I'm just referencing this quote from Elizabeth Gilbert in, in Big Magic where she says, um, creativity doesn't give a damn about your auto insurance. She just wants to dance with you and then sometimes dance away on her own schedule, on her own strange rhythms. This is why I made a promise to my writing life when I was about 15 years old. I said to writing, I will never ask you to provide for me financially. I will always provide for you. And I was willing to work hard, in other words, so that creativity could play lightly. Mm. And I, I love that because it, that's a realistic element of it. It's yeah. like, don't, make your, don't rely on your creativity to bring in the dollar. Mm. Make sure that you're using um, what you can do to have the space for your creativity to breathe. Yeah, and I mean, I, I worked in that kind of agency land for, you know, it must be coming on like 19, 20 years. Um, and yeah, it was kind of novel and exciting at the start because it was a new challenge and new set of rules and things to navigate and kind of figure out how everything worked together. So that was really exciting. But yeah, it's I think it's kind of... A mistake to think of oh you've got your job and then you've got your thing that you love I think you were talking about this idea of putting your soul into mm. everything and I Maraki, think which is the word where you 
leave a bit every time you create something you leave a bit of your soul into it yeah but you know i think even you know i in my career like i think most people in amongst all the stuff that you do that you really love you have some real shit jobs that you work on but actually it's about finding the little space in there yeah. that allows you to bring a bit of your your kind of flavour to it and your magic to it because otherwise you're kind of just going through the motions yeah. and actually that is the thing that really really kills you when I think when you're doing something you think well, I'm doing this for the money yeah so I think that the thing that allowed me to say stay sane was to always look for okay it might be someone's asked you to do something that you just really you know that you really don't believe in or it's a product that you know you might kind of um you know you you might have some antipathy towards um it might be something that um yeah, it just feels like the, the dullest thing ever. So the way I used to stay sane is think, right, is there, for example, a new technique that I could be learning as part of this job? Is there a new skill that I could be learning for this? Or, you know, I don't, you know, every job is only as dull as you kind of make it. Yeah. Um, so case in point, for example, um, I was asked to... Um, it was one of the last things I worked on. It was um, uh, it was a, a how-to video, and on the face of it, it just looks like the the dullest kind of thing. You know, we need to do a video that is how to apply how to apply pain relief gel, and you think that could be the dullest thing ever. It could just be someone in their bathroom to camera just kind of <laughs> rubbing lotion on. Um, but I actually did the whole thing as an animated video with two characters that were fingers that were talking to each other. And Amazing. So, and we did the voices as well yeah. in the studio. Oh, I know was, you love to do a voice. I do it? love on to an do animation. a voice. Um, but yeah, it was great. I worked with a fantastic director, a fantastic animator and sound designer. Um, you know, and they were brilliant. I, I really loved working with them. And um, I wrote the script for it and we storyboarded it. Yeah. And um, yeah, and it was a lot of fun. And you can look at those opportunities. And I think there's always a way to look at it and try and find just the, the silver lining, the little chink of light. What is the thing? I don't mind leaving behind a little bit of my soul if it's something that I've found a way to care about yeah. it. Um, that so yeah, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Good advice. Yeah, and such a different way of looking at it as well, because we can get so stuck in um, thinking about, you know, oh, I've got to do this thing, I don't want to do it. But like you say, if you tune into something that is there for you, that you allows you the space to think expansively, mm. then that's the way that you're going to bring the learning into it. And I think it's really important as well as like whoever you're working with that nobody has so much tight control over it that they've got blinkers on. Yeah. Because, you know, having worked in agency world before, sometimes on the client side or even on the on the um, person who's heading up the project as well, you can get <clears> so stuck into, oh, well, it's got to hit this deadline mm. or it's got to hit this objective that you don't allow space 
for the creative process to come yeah. in and that's when you can lose some of the magic which actually could come in from looking at it from a different way which actually leads us nicely onto uh, <laughs> something we're launching today which is um yes. the practical magic activation deck oh i feel like i'm doing a whole uh, uh promotion thing here but um the reason that i bring this up is because when i was thinking about launching this um this deck and bringing it to life in a way that could allow the creativity to flow through it and bring the work that I'm doing in terms of practical magic in a way that meant that people could tune into their own creativity. The first person I thought about talking to about it was you. And it has been such a wonderful process in terms of how we've worked together because mm. I believe that, you know, I've had a clear idea about how I want them to, how I want the, the end product to be, but allowing the space for how you've been able to transmute what's mm. come through. Talk to me a bit about the um, the, the brief. <clears throat> so basically my brief to Matt was, I've got these cards, which are my practical magic cards, all around the pillars of calm, create, empower and vitality. I want to be able to create something where people can pick one and tune into creativity for themselves. But for me, the visual had to be really striking. It mm. had to be very wild colours. It had to be very my style. <clears throat> um, so talk to me about how how you kind of came to this brief in the first place. Yes. Yeah, so um, I think I mean we looked at a few um, we looked at a few cards. That are out there already and I think you know they're they're great because you know they they obviously they work and um, they were very much um, you could tell they're very much about the personality of their creator yes. um, so there were some really nice ones I mean there were some that I liked more than others um, which is fine because we've we've all got different tastes and so on but nothing that we looked at really kind of summed up how I saw you and how I saw your approach to it as well. So I think they they tended to be either um, a little bit more on that, that kind of slightly esoteric, mystical mm. side. Um, and um, or they they kind of went over to kind of probably being a little bit subdued. So the kind of earth tones or you know which again is fine I think the the thing with a deck of prompts like these that these have to in my mind these have to create an atmosphere and a space yeah um for you to be able to interpret um interpret in your own way yeah and that was the big thing for me wasn't it about um having space for whoever's turning a card not to to be able to tune into the image and whatever it means for them, but have the space around it for their yeah. unconscious mind to go exploring. Yeah, and I think it was a way of it was a way of doing that, but without being too. I mean, we're working with archetypes here, but at the same time, I think there are you know. So, for example, tarot, for example, mm. um, uses a really um, well well known. So archetypes. Yeah. It was about taking that idea of archetypes and, and filtering them through the the personality of practical magic. Um, 
but again it was kind of doing things that weren't too on the nose it was about so I always like to do something where it's about finding an interesting twist on something because to me the twist is the thing that shakes me out of yes that shadow for example um uh if it had literally been a shadow for me that that means that there's nowhere to go with that in yeah. your thought and this was actually one of the first I, I did four that I worked up yes. as an example of this is what the deck could look like before we decided to go ahead because you know I still didn't have the gig at that point and I just wanted to say right this is where we could take it but I loved this idea of um, you know loved this idea of shadow and this this idea of what you can't see beyond the yeah, visible spectrum it's great. and you'll be able to see this on the kickstarter page as well because all the images will be up there but what's so amazing and this is exactly why i got you to do it right because you just get it straight away yeah. that the shadow is actually the thing that's shining the light yeah and it's the milky way as well so when you look there it's it's this idea that you look up into the sky it just seems pitch black but yeah. actually there is this light from millions and millions of light years away that's just coming to us so i like this idea of there's an entire universe that's contained within something that mm. you might not necessarily be able to see yeah so i think with all of these it was about finding an interesting graphical way um to get that across and not be so literal with mm. everything um so some of them it will have a kind of like something like shadow will have a a bit of a metaphysical edge to me that kind of feels like modern esoteric yeah yeah so this is um one of my favorite ones pleasure <clears throat> and um because i was just thinking what's some, one of the most pleasurable things to be it would be a donor and if i was a donor i would just sit there all day <laughs> licking myself um but when i had the rough sketch for this i do remember showing it to you and saying is this i know too you mucky? sent it over you and i think it's going to be too much i was like never <laughs> anybody who uh, works with me knows that i i have that uh, cheeky <laughs> side to myself as well so yeah i think that kind of encapsulates all of that doesn't it i actually love when you sent over um when you were talking about the the four concept designs to begin with yeah and um you always send over something with a bit of an outline of what it's all about and you took what I was all about and you talked about this project as your viewpoint of it was coming it's like a rock concept album that has lots of different flavours to it and it was also about taking the work and having a, um, a disco ball shine with a cheeky wink and yeah. all I had to do was read those words and I was like yes this is why Matt is the right person <laughs> for the job and I remember being in bed um and looking at them for the first time and just having such a visceral reaction to basically you've taken my work and me and made it into all of these amazing vibrant images and I was like mm. how does somebody do that so how do you kind of connect to this kind of project and turn it around in that way because that's such a skill um I think it's it's just really about I think the key was just not to question anything too much um, that's the thing with with being creative again we we talked earlier about the 
this kind of myth of creativity that you I think the idea is that oh you're just walking around in your daily life and suddenly there's a bolt of inspiration and you just run off to somewhere in the south of France and get yourself a studio and just paint 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 and go insane from just the the mad creativity of it all and that's not how creativity is at all as as you as you know it's it's a hard slog and it actually um it, it doesn't come easy but i think that the thing with this and especially because you know we were working towards a definite point in time when it's like this is being sent off to the printers yeah. for this date and see the suit in me will never die the project yeah. manager <laughs> is there with the deadline but yeah if we didn't have that we'd probably still be you know doing the first four cards and tinkering around so i think it's really good to have a deadline you there needs to be a kind of pragmatic edge and a driver to this but i think the idea as well is you know sometimes you get a great idea in your head you think oh that's amazing and then you kind of get it down on paper and it doesn't work and there's this other thing which is about creativity this idea that somehow ideas pop into your head fully formed and fully ready to go and if only you had like a control p that you could press on your forehead and suddenly it would spit out this image you know that it would be this amazing fully formed wonderful thing and everyone would go oh that's so amazing and it's it's not how things work it's this idea for creativity for me is it's it's kind of like the thing that you just see out the corner of your eye and often especially with these cards i maybe had 20 the idea for about 20 cards just boiling around in my head at any one time and sometimes I couldn't quite see them properly, other times they were really, really clear. And um, you start getting them down, and in your head, of course, they are amazing, but they're amazing in your head because they're not fully realised yet. Yes, yeah, so I think often that, that the process of getting there is far more interesting than you could imagine from just being stuck in your own head yeah. you have to get out of your head not literally get out of your head but well well you, <laughs> you you do you have to go on to that that yeah. journey through different parts of yourself and again that's what these are here to do mm. is because we do spend so much time in our heads and i think it's also about that that kind of that weird idea that we have all the answers and yeah. that creatives have all the answers and you know we don't um, and I think that's something that even if you even if you don't think you're a creative, I think it's about it's about the process of how you get there. That's what makes you creative. Yeah. Not, I, we've we've kind of grown up with this idea of oh, you're creative if you can draw, yeah. you're creative if you can sing, and if you can't do those things, then you're rubbish and you're not creative. And it's you know that's not actually what this is about. I think being creative is about it, it's about embracing that that kind of journey towards something and it's about being it's about being open-minded and open to all the yeah. possibilities so for example with these um, again I, I don't have all of the answers here and some of these things came up and I thought I don't really know why that image keeps coming up and I don't know 
what it means. Um, you know, and sometimes it is, it, it goes back to those idea of, say, the surrealists, that idea of when we were discovering things like the unconscious and the subconscious and psychotherapy was coming into the fore at the same time that art was also exploring the mind, you know, and often you don't really know why these things are mm. coming up. It's, it's like that slightly... It's like that David Lynch idea of you're looking at something and it affects you on a very visceral level, mm. but there's no kind of logic for explaining what's going on, but you know, yeah. you kind of feel it in your bones and it just feels right. Or you, do you know what I mean? Yeah, you, and you, our you... only job is to pay attention. Yeah. It's to not suppress that and not ignore it because when we do that, we're not trusting our our creative self, our yeah. intuition, what some people might call the higher self. You know, for me, that's what creativity is. It's tuning into something which could be outside of us mm. or within us, actually. But tuning into that and, and listening out for that and just seeing where that might guide you, where that might take yeah. you. And I think as well, that's also a good point to talk about. the. We've talked about the magic and the magic of creativity. And, you know, magic for me is something that is... It can't be explained. It's something that, that comes up. It's something that you don't try and find an explanation for. You just kind of you just kind of feel it and you tune into it. And that sounds quite hippie, but actually the practical bit for me is the thing that drew me to this because I think we were talking about a lot of the, the kind of slightly <laughs> the slightly kind of lavender scented uh, kind of woo-woo. Yeah. The dream catches and pashmines. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but I think with this, because, you know, magic is only, you know, it's only useful when it becomes practical. And that, for me, is the idea that this, this is a project and this is a deck and this is a set of, um, a set of strategies that is intended to work in the real world this is not about okay i'm i'm kind of stuck i'm in a bottleneck i'm i'm kind of in some kind of stalemate in my life or in this situation right now i don't know how to move forward and you know there's there's this idea of oh it'd be okay if you just you know take yourself off to india and discover yourself or go and sit on a beach somewhere and it's like well when you're you know on the to the the eight forty five bus from Clapham going to work, or you know you can't do that, and I think that there's this idea that you can only sort out your life when you can take time to go and have this amazing spiritual experience and but yet actually spiritual experiences can be happening all the time exactly and the point is you know with the activations that go alongside this yeah it is practical steps moving forward, but you are tuning into yourself, yeah, so I think. We, we could talk about this for days and days and days, but we're going to wrap up for now. And um, we may do some other videos around this and some more podcasts. But thank you so much for sharing how what your adventure has been with the Practical no, thank Magic you. Deck. And also your, um, your adventures through creativity as well. Thanks. Thank you for coming on. Thanks, Kate. So thank you for listening to the Practical Magic Podcast with me, Kate Taylor, and my special guest and co-creator, Matt Denny. You're going to find the show notes and any links to the resources and anything we've talked about on the podcast page, which is www.katetaylor.co forward slash podcast. 
And super excitingly, we are launching the Kickstarter campaign for the Practical Magic Activation deck today, which means that you can go ahead and have a look and get yourself this amazing toolkit of my work, Practical Magic, and Matt's wonderful illustrations and designs. So if you head on over to www.practicalmagicliving.com, you will get a link to go to the Kickstarter, which means that you're going to help us crowdfund this incredible deck and it's going to be running until May the 24th. So do make sure that you go over and back us now because it means that you're going to get that deck cheaper than you would do when we fully launch. So until next week, I will be back with some more practical magic.